This Dharma Talk is brought to you by the Chicago Zen Meditation Community. Learn about us and our teacher, Miyoshi Thompson, at zenchicago.org. When I was growing up, my family would spend the end of the year holiday in northern Michigan. It was a full-on wintry experience that was quiet in the Northwoods, but also full of adventure. When it was try- time to drive back home, we needed to split up in a few cars um, because there was a lot of us. As the youngest of six, I always angled to be in the car of my older siblings would, uh, would be driving and the radio selection was always better. And that's why I wanted to be, <laughs> be in that car. And in those days, Casey Kasem's top 40 countdown was something I looked forward to. What were the Billboard top songs of the year going to be? Elton John's Benny and the Jets, Jackson 5's Dancing Machine, Aretha Franklin's Until You Come Back to Me. Those were some of the contenders in 1974. So the top 40 countdown was a marker of the year, signifying how our culture evolved and how we responded to it. Other year-end markers include Time Magazine's Person of the Year, originally called Man of the Year, milestone passings of celebrities, best TV shows, etc. We keep track of all of this and we seem to care deeply about it. Last week, another list came out, <clears throat> the Academy Award nominations. Several news stories were fed to me about this and I read them. I actually wanted to know why Greta Gerwig got snubbed for the best director of Barbie. I just assumed that was wrong and an injustice. I have no connection to Greta Gerwig whatsoever, and I really never liked the phenomena of Barbie, but I'm not immune to the lists and what they say about us and our culture. There was another list <laughs> that I saw at the end of the year that did not penetrate popular culture at all. And I'm a little reluctant to bring it up, but since our practice is largely about looking at reality and not avoiding it, here we go. The list I'm referring to comes from scientists tracking biodiversity in the United States and around the world. In 2023, along with Barbie achieving the largest box office haul ever, the Center for Biological Diversity reported that 21 animal, U.S. animals and plants went extinct, the mother of all snubs. We can probably name many of the actors, writers, politicians, and other cultural influencers that were noteworthy in 2023, but I doubt that any of us can name the species that were permanently wiped off the face of the earth. The list includes a collection of birds, such as the Bachman's warbler, <clears throat> the bridled white-eyed fish, uh, such as the San Marcos gambusia and the Scotio mad tom, the little Marion fruit bat, and eight freshwater mussels, the flat pig toe, the green blossom pearly mussel, the southern acorn shell, the stirrup shell, uh, Tubersley's blossom pearly mussel, the turgid blossom mussel, and the upland comb shell, and the yellow blossom pearly mussel. It turns out that freshwater mollusks are the most endangered group of organisms in the United States, with 36 mussels and more than 70 freshwater mussels already lost forever. 
beyond the US, the International Union for Conservation of Nature, the IUCN, reported that the that the, at the end of the year, that the Java stingray is now extinct, and that overall today's rate of extinction is at least 10 to hundreds of times higher than extinctions that occurred over the last 10 million years. A headline from a UN site says, the world is on notice as 1 million species face extinction in the near term. This is particularly startling because the IUCN also reports that the total number of species described by scientists is 2.13 million. The International Panel of Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services says that following the adoption of this historic report, no one will be able to claim they did not know. But do people really know? Did you know? <clears throat> I've been practicing with this reality <clears throat> and working to consider extinction in a Buddhist context. Dogen's writings on Buddha nature are confusing, as the Saturday study group can attest, but they are instructive with the formulation that all beings are Buddha nature, all beings, not just human beings. The concept of interdependent co-origination looks at the linkages of all beings as if to say, we're all in this together, and by we, that means humans and all other beings. From this perspective, you can't separate yourself from the little Marian fruit bat, and why would you want to? Humans can't survive without all the services that other species provide. Try living without pollinators responsible for generating food, or plants that give us oxygen, or ants that aerate the soil. Our practice invites us to look at this reality it also invites us not to attach to an overwhelming feeling of panic or dread, but to find the path, to be on the path, to extend our hand to get to a better place. Why are we in this predicament to begin with? Greed and delusion would certainly top that list. Consider the precarious global predicament of sharks. Many of these top ocean predators critical for ecosystem balance are at risk of vanishing for good because of overfishing. A big reason, an insatiable appetite for shark fin soup. Shark are caught and the fins are removed, leaving the fish to die. Between 2012 and 2019, the number of sharks killed increased from 76 million to 80 million per year. It's the result of the bad combination of the greed of the fishing industry, and the delusion of anyone who orders shark fin soup. Also consider the seemingly nondescript mangroves that are prevalent or were on the world's shorelines. These are some of the only trees that can live in saltwater and are hugely beneficial as fish nurseries for many different species. They also protect the shoreline from hurricane surges and mangroves sequester more carbon than terrestrial forests, as much as 1,000 tons of CO2 per hectare. This is a stellar set of ecosystem services, all provided for free. Yet humans cut down mangroves to facilitate shoreline development and, ironically, to install shrimp farms to supply the global food supply. The long-tailed macaques, monkeys in Bangladesh went extinct in 2022 from the destruction of mangroves. We're destroying critical habitat so that we can go to Club Med and eat shrimp scampi all over the world. Greed and delusion. There's more delusion right here at home. 
During the migration season, there are about 8 million birds that fly over Chicago representing 250 species. And one day last fall, 1,000 birds were killed during migration because they crashed into McCormick Place, drawn in by the lights of the building, despite policy efforts to get buildings to turn off their lights during migration. If we can experience awakening when a pebble hits bamboo, surely we could be moved by a bird hitting an unnecessarily lit building. These lists and statistics can freak you out. <clears throat> In the face of this reality, it's certainly easier to turn our attention to the plight and unfair treatment of Greta Gerwig. But Buddhism provides a way to think about all this that is inspiring and beautiful and helpful. Dogen's Mountains and Water Sutra is one of my favorites and asks us to think about systems, not static features of the landscape, but, by, but dynamic expressions of life, including humans, but so much more. This is Buddha nature. In his commentary on the Mountains and Water Sutra, Shahako Okamura says, human beings cannot be the owners of the mountains and waters. They are only a tiny part of the network of interdependent co-origination. I've also been inspired by the Buddhist teacher and sustainability activist, Joanna Macy, who has led workshops on the Council of All Beings. She describes it as a communal ritual in which participants step aside from their human identity and speak on behalf of another life form. She says that it aims to create an awakening to our interdependence on the living body of earth and to strengthen our commitment to defend it. She says that the ritual serves to acknowledge and give voice to the suffering of our world. It also serves in equal measure to help us experience the beauty and power of our interconnectedness with all life. When I think about all life, I think about the wisdom and vast wisdom beyond that, which our species is inept at detecting or appreciating deeply how arrogant is it that we choose shoreline development over the ancient wisdom of the species we are destroying? There's a mussel in Ohio that is at risk of extinction because of sewer just discharges into its habitat. We're really going to eliminate a species and all its wisdom and experience of life because we cannot think creatively about what to do with our shit, really? When Joanna Macy talks about a commitment to defend the living body of the earth, who do we defend it from? It turns out we have to defend it from ourselves. I would argue that it's far better to do that than to think about abandoning earth altogether and colonize Mars with Elon Musk. And actually that's one of the bright spots, the wonderful bright spots in this challenging existential situation. It's reversible. We can take all those shrimp farms and move them on shore and replant the mangroves. There will be no shortage of shrimp scampi and the wild shrimp and other fish species that will come back can be sustainably harvested, fetching a much higher price in the market and benefiting local fishing enterprises. The carbon benefits from replanting mangroves will help in the fight against climate change. We can stop ordering shark fin soup. We can pay a visit to Arcata, California <clears throat> and bring a delegation from Ohio to see how the natural filtration system for sewage cuts costs and creates huge habitat for birds, mussels, and other wildlife. 
It's the only sewage treatment plant I know of that is a tourist attraction, adding to the local economy. We have the power to stop doing these things and the earth will respond quickly. For an excellent example of that, watch Richard Attenborough's The Year the Earth Changed. It chronicles what happened to wildlife when humans were sidelined by COVID. From the review, <clears throat> there's some, um, some summaries here. It says, air pollution clears in India where the snowy peaks of the Himalayas are visible for the first time in three decades. Birdsong rings across San Francisco where the white crowned sparrow boosts its breeding season by adding the new notes to its bright mating call. Meanwhile, under the ice, the voices of migrating humpback whales echo further across Glacier Bay, no longer drowned out by the engines of hulking ocean liners. And that in that segment, the whales also are able to communicate with their young to, to communicate across the bay to help them learn how to fish, um, which they weren't able to do with all the ocean liners there usually. The nesting success rate for loggerhead sea turtles jumped from 40 to 61% during COVID as, they, as they're observed happily frequenting beaches in Florida that are normally clogged with holiday makers and spring break party goers. In Buenos Aires, nor normally shy capybaras raid the manicured gardens of this well-heeled suburb, which, is, which was been, had been built on their former wetland home. Another example is deer in Japan um, who are able to go back to their original grazing uh, areas that had been developed, but they knew where they were, that wisdom is still there. I imagine a council of all beings helping us to consider the impact of human activity before we make it. The EU has had a long philosophy of precaution known as the precautionary principle which looks at policy developments from the position of do no harm. This is wildly different from our culture of remediation, which compels us to act only after we've screwed things up. The opportunity is to think in systems and appreciate that interdependent co-origination means if all species thrive, so do we. Taking it a step further, the only way for us to survive survive is if all species do too. And while as individuals, we might not be in a position of power to make big and immediate change, there are plenty of small actions we can take that will aggregate up to big impact. When the pebble hits the bamboo and we are awakened, it's not fear that takes hold, but an emboldened opportunity to make a move. It doesn't matter how small or grand, awakening and awareness are what matter. I will close with a short poem by Buddhist and environmentalist Gary Snyder called Old Woman Nature. Old woman nature naturally has a bag of bones tucked away somewhere, a whole room full of bones, a scattering of hair and cartilage, bits in the woods, a fox scat with hair and a tooth in it, a shell mound, a bone flake in the stream bank, a purring cat, crunching the mouse at first, eating on down toward the tail. The sweet old woman calmly gathering firewood in the moon. Don't be shocked. She's heating you some soup.
Thank you. I hope I didn't ruin your evening with this talk of extinction. <laughs>